Good morning. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. There we go. Jeez. Every time I have to get you people into this thing here. This is a new year. We have a lot to be excited about. Come on. Woo. Right? Jesus is good. God is good. He is so faithful. And I believe, man, I believe there are good things in 2016 for our church. I just feel it in my bones and, and the knee that feels the rain coming. Like, that, that's where I feel it, right there. No, I'm just kidding. So, it's a new year, and I hope God has blessed your 2016 so far. Um, Whenever it comes time for a new year, it, it seems the perfect time for like self-evaluation, you know? Like if you're anything like me, you start to like, you start to think about the new year and then your mind goes to all these deep places and you, and you think like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, what did I learn this year? Am I any better at being me than I was last year? You know, in fact, Speaking of being me, like, who am I, really? And that conversation always ends with someone literally saying, like, dude, can you believe space goes on forever? <laughs> but in all seriousness, this, this being the first Sunday of the new year, it seems like the perfect time to ask ourselves, as the mission, some clarifying questions. So today we're going to begin a new sermon series, a new six-week sermon series actually called Radical Love. And I'll get to why we named it that in a few moments, besides the fact that we just absolutely love the 80s. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, don't these side paintings look awesome? Adrian Ashley did those, and her and her husband Mark did those, and they had the vision for it. It was so cool. But so... so So today, we're going to begin to ask ourselves, who is the Mission Redlands? Like, really, who are we? You know, and and once we've made that, that completely clear, who we are, we're going to begin to dive in next week to what exactly is the mission? What is the mission? And, And can you guess where it goes from there? How, right. I tricked you. Um, so we begin, so, so from there we try to figure out how are we going to begin to accomplish this mission that God has laid out for us. And once that is all said and done, we are going to end this sermon series with a, a celebration of the mission's three-year anniversary with a big old bash. Like, guys, we're going to have like confetti cannons and... <laughs> And Kiss is gonna lead worship. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be insane. Like, I, I can't back all, all of that up, but, um, some of it. No. So seriously, especially if you're relatively new to our church, you don't wanna miss one single week of this sermon series because it is gonna be so good. I just believe it in my bones. But it all begins with the who. Who is the Mission Redlands? Who are we? Now, I would say that the mission is made up of roughly about a hundred people if everybody showed up on the same Sunday. And, uh, and, and, and today in our scripture, we're going to begin to read about a group of people roughly the same size as us that are about to fully discover who God made them to be. Are you with me? Tracking? 
Okay, we're going to the book of Acts today. That's where we're gonna, that's where we're gonna stay. And I want you to buckle your seatbelts and put your tray tables up and in their locked position, upright position, because I'm gonna be flying through the first two chapters of Acts. So, so hold on to your hats. So, um, if you would turn with me to the book of Acts chapter one, when, one thing that's important to remember is when you approach the book of Acts, it, the book of Acts begins where the gospels left off, especially the the book of Luke, because Acts and Luke have the same author, Luke. And in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, Luke begins with just a super brief recap of what he wrote in his former book, also entitled Luke. And um, Jesus Christ, the human embodiment of God, was born from a virgin woman, lived on earth, performed many miracles. He taught people about the kingdom of God. He was crucified on a cross, even though he lived a perfect, sinless life, which was an agonizing way to die. And he did it so that our sins would be wiped away, so that we could be in relationship with the Father again. And they buried him. But he didn't stay buried for long, right? Because on the third day, he rose again as all the prophecies of the Old Testament had predicted. He showed himself to his disciples over a 40-day period to prove that he was alive. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And before Jesus left the earth for heaven, he reminds them of this amazing promise God had made them. A promise that is about to get fulfilled And that's where we pick up our scripture today in Acts chapter 1, verses 4. And right now we're going to read through verse 10. So let's read together. I mean, I'll read and you follow along. That'd be weird if we all started reading together. I mean, I guess some places do that, but... (laughs) Sorry. Focus. Um, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command... Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky and he was going, uh, sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And continuing on to verse 11, uh, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, Jesus not only reminds them of the promise that the Father made that the Holy, that He was going to send His Helper, the Holy Spirit. Um, not only did He remind the disciples of God's promise, but He also confirmed that in a few days they will receive it. And, and it's, and it's coming, like it's coming like soon. And, 
And then the disciples ask in verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And this is a really important question for the disciples because they've been wondering the answer to this question for a long time. See, in the traditional view, the Messiah would be an earthly conqueror who would free Israel from Rome. And and so that's what the disciples were asking. Is it time for, for you to overthrow our oppressors and establish the new rule where where we, I mean, uh, uh, you are in charge? And, and I can just imagine them asking Jesus this question with like such eagerness, you know, like giddy children. But the, but the answer that Jesus gives is not as easy as all that, right? As it so often is. As we see time and time again, the answer that Jesus give, provides is something that they weren't expecting. And in verse 7 and 8, he says, It is not for you to know... The times or dates the Father has set by my own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So basically, Jesus says, you know what? The answer to your question, that's need to know. But since you're so eager to see my kingdom come to earth, here's what I need you to do. Once you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, go tell everyone about what you have seen and heard. And not just the Jewish people, or the rich people, or the people that just smell good, or the people that have nice sandals, but everybody. Everyone. Be my witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth and tell everyone what you have seen and heard so that they may come to know the saving knowledge of my Father's love for them. And then what happened, right? So, just like that. Jesus is gone, right? And so in verse 9-11, through 11, after He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So Jesus, instead of answering their question, gives them a job to do, right? then disappears into a cloud, which I must say is a very classy way to go. <laughs> like, cloud cab, right? Like, going up, right? Like, that, that's awesome. Like, I love it. And, and, and so the follower, the disciples at this point, are just standing there like, uh, what? Like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, like, they're just staring at the sky. They're, they're dumbfounded. And, 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 Two men appear dressed in white and they tell them, hey, don't just stand there. It's time to get on the move, you know, because this same Jesus will come back just as you saw him go. So what happens next? Let's keep reading in Acts 1, 12 through 15, starting at verse 12, says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day, a Sabbath day, Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, 
they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judah, uh, Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, that section of scripture, like, I bet you could just breeze right over that and, and, and miss it. But I feel like there is something vital in that piece of scripture for us today. I believe it holds a massive key for the mission in 2016. Jesus disappears into a glory cloud and the disciples are just standing there like, what? Oh my gosh, like, I did not see that coming. And Jesus is gone. So what do we do now, right? And God had anticipated this moment and sent some angels to kickstart the disciples on their way. And and so where do they go? They go back to Jerusalem, right? They go back to the upper room where they had been with Jesus, ate with Him, listened to Him, Teach. They, they went back to the place and took that time to unite themselves in prayer and prepare for what God was going to do next. In verse 15, it says their group was about 120 people. Not so different from us, right? And see, one thing I think is really interesting is that Jesus gives them this grand job to do, right? Go to the ends of the earth and tell what you've seen and heard. And where do they go? They go back to the place where they were the closest to Jesus. Because what did Jesus tell them to do? He said, wait. He said, wait on the gift my Father is going to send you. Right? Jesus said, wait on the gift my Father will send you. See, in our culture today, it's so easy to take a strategy and just run with it whether God is in it or not, right? Jesus laid out the strategy for the disciples. Go tell the world about what you have seen and heard concerning me, but not yet. I think it's so interesting and countercultural to us today. Like we want everything now. Like we want action. We we have like iTunes and Amazon Prime and same day shipping and like we live in a culture that says now, 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 now. But God tells the disciples first to wait. The disciples, write this down if you're taking notes. The disciples were faithful. By truly listening to God. The disciples were faithful by truly listening to God. Can you imagine what it, have been like, what it would have been like if the disciples left that place where they saw Jesus disappear and tried to do the job on their own? In their own strength? Like, I'm actually guilty of that sometimes. I don't know if any of you are like that, but I'm guilty of that. And it... Like, if these guys would have tried that, it would have been a catastrophe. I mean, these guys were not the brightest crayons in the box, you know? Like, and yet they knew enough to grab on to that waiting portion of what Jesus said. Because they knew they couldn't do what Jesus had asked them to do without the Holy Spirit being on them. So they go to the place where they were the closest to Jesus. A place away from the public. A place where they could be vulnerable 
and they pray and they prepare their hearts. They get into the secret place with God and they ask Him to have His way. And in verse 14, it says, they all join together constantly in prayer. I love the way the Message Bible puts this verse, this verse 14. In the Message Bible, it says, they agreed they were in this for good, completely together in prayer. They were in this for good, completely together in prayer. The disciples were faithful in preparing for God's promise. That's another thing you should write down if you're taking notes. The disciples were faithful in preparing for God's promise. See, church, this year, let's be a church that doesn't forsake the secret place. The secret place where our hearts are united as one in prayer. And God prepares us for the road ahead. To be effective at any job that God gives you to do, you have to be first fully given to Him in the secret place. It's true. And the disciples knew it. Because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were prepared, they were ready, they were prayed up, their hearts were in tune with God. And as we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we, we begin with, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire being separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And in verse 11, the crowd begins to say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And so Peter, oh Peter, full of the Holy Spirit and realizing the uniqueness of this opportunity, stands up with the other disciples and passionately addresses the crowd. He goes to great lengths to remind them of all the prophecies they had heard about in the Old Testament and how each one of them concerning the Messiah had been entirely fulfilled in Jesus. Peter says in verse 22, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through Him. As you, know yourse- as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death 
because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And in verse 32, he continues, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. And in verse 36, he finishes, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. After Jesus' speech, the Bible tells us that the crowd was cut to the heart. And they were ready to accept Jesus as their Lord and Messiah, their Savior. And Acts goes on to say in verse 41, those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Peter and the disciples had been preparing for this. And when the time came, they stepped into the moment that God had prepared. The disciples were faithful when the time came for action. The disciples were faithful when the time came for action. See, I believe the mission has a moment like this coming very soon. And in 2016, or whenever it comes on God's time, not ours, I pray we are ready and prepared to step into that moment that God has prepared for us. In the last few verses of Acts chapter 2, to me are some of the most beautiful, radical verses in the whole Bible. It is a picture of what a community of believers should look like and, and a picture of radical living. God, <laughs> oh gosh, um, read with me Acts chapter 2, 42 through 7. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So back at the beginning of this message, I told you that we were going to discuss today who the Mission Redlands is. And I believe that we have. Because you see, the Church of Acts is our ancestors. And I believe we would be doing a pretty good job as a church if we just began to follow their example in 2016. In 2016, what if the mission became a church that was totally faithful to truly listening 
to what God has to say. And not just taking the parts of what He says that we like and leaving the rest, but taking it in with a faithful, sincere heart. All that the Lord has to say to us. No matter how crazy or illogical. What if in 2016 the mission became a community that treasured the secret place with God? Where we prepared our hearts to follow His will and join together united in prayer? What if in 2016 the mission became a people ready to step into the moments that God would provide us with? A people aware of the fact that if God wills a moment to wait, there will also be a moment to act. What if there was no what if? And the mission became a growing community living out God's radical love. Because I believe that is who we are as a church. As a community of believers and as followers of Jesus. Because after all, He left us before He took the the ride up on the cloud he left us with a job to do remember all the way back in acts 1 8 you will be my witnesses in jerusalem in all judea samaria and to the ends of the earth see the funny thing is about the word radical is that there's all kinds of imagery that can come with it, right? There's like, it may bring to mind a certain time era, era like the 80s, or maybe a certain pizza loving cartoon Ninja Turtle, or like, there's all kinds, of, like, we hear the word radical in the news, you know, like there's all kinds of imagery that comes with radical, but the word radical completely encompasses what Jesus is saying here. When we look the word radical up in the thesaurus, its synonyms are thorough, complete, total, comprehensive, exhaustive, sweeping, far-reaching, wide-ranging, extensive. As the church, that's who we want to be. We want to be a growing community living out God's complete comprehensive, exhaustive, sweeping, far-reaching, wide-ranging, extensive, radical love. Wherever we go, and to whomever we come in contact with, in Redlands, San Bernardino, Yucaipa, and to the ends of the earth. That's my prayer for the mission this year. And I firmly believe that's what the Lord is calling us to. So I want to close right now as the worship team comes. I want to close by praying over you the same prayer that Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So who is the Mission Redlands? We are a growing community living out God's radical love. That's who we are. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this time in Your Word, Lord. We thank You for the, for the example that the Church of Acts set for us, Lord. God, we, we humble ourselves before You, God, and say we can't reach this city without You, Lord. And we don't even want to because it would be pointless, Lord. We cannot move in our own power, Lord. We need Your Holy Spirit to come upon this place, Father. We are calling, Lord, for a time where we meet with You in the secret place to prepare our hearts for what You want to do, Lord. Where we can hear You fully and we can begin... Lord, just to get the pieces of the puzzle all together of what Your will is for this church, Lord. But Lord, we know for a fact now that there is a hurting community that surrounds us, Lord, in the Inland Empire, God. Father, use this church, Lord. Use us as individuals, God. Use us as sons and daughters who are loved by You to live out this radical love, this far-reaching, wide-ranging love that You have for them. We love You, Lord. And as the ushers come forward now, we, we pray for our tithes and offering, Lord. And God, as the church in Acts gave to those who have need, Lord, I pray that You would put it on our hearts, Lord, for what we are to give, God to each other, to those in need, to Your church, Lord. I pray, God, that we would become a a church known for our generosity, God. Lord, not only known for our generosity, but our radical generosity, Father. Lord, we give back to You what is already Yours now, Lord, and we thank You for the many blessings that we have. We thank You that we are able to meet in this building unpersecuted, unlike so many others in the world that are faithful to Your name, God. We love You, Lord. Thank You for this time in Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.